0: Who are the top five rappers of all time? Think about it. Dylan, 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 <laughs> Dylan, Dylan, because I spit hot fire.
1: That's right. Welcome to Movie Food. Obviously, we've got Carlo. We have a special guest with us. Let's just get to him. He uh, helped launch my jingle career, Carlo. Nice. And uh, to help introduce him, I actually have, I pulled a jingle that's uh, centered around him. Here we go. i have a dip king of the West Coast. It's proper Jeff Petros. That's right. It's the dip king and returning champ, Petros Papadakis. What's up, Pete? Hello. How's everybody? Hello, guys. Steve and Carlo.
2: Nice to talk to you.
1: (laughs) Hi, Dr. Nick. Yeah. Great to have you back. Oh, is that a... a, I gotcha. (laughs) I see what you're putting down there. All right. So before we get to the big dog, obviously, we have you back to talk rockers, but we have a little... Uh, something up top. So let's get into our appetizers. It's time for movie food appetizers. <laughs> All right. So here, you know, we just like to get a get get to know our guests a little bit more before we dive in here. Um. So Pedros, I have a couple of questions I've been meaning to ask you for a long time. Things I've been wondering. So you've, you know, you're a broadcast professional. You've been doing this. I think you've been doing your daily radio show for 20, 20 plus years at this point. Yeah. You have a, a distinct radio style it's wildly entertaining. It's It feels authentic also. And so I'm just curious, is that something that you had to work on and develop or was that something that just sort of evolved naturally? Well, I
2: think probably both. I, I kind of had to do it and learn how to do it and develop it and become whatever it is on the fly. And I've kind of changed over the years. I've changed a lot over the years with how I do things and what I do and what I kind of celebrate and what I'm interested in surely has changed a lot over the years, but I have no media training. Not really. I mean, I have media training as a football player and being asked questions. So becoming a media member and trying to be a confident person on camera and all that stuff was, it was not natural to me. So whatever, Whatever uh, I've become is kind of uh, born of the panic (laughs) that I was in when I started (laughs) sort of doing the job. And uh, it's kind of gone from there. But a lot of traditional, because I'm a sports talk radio host, I mean, I think a lot of people have a certain idea of what that is and what those shows are like. And certainly, I mean, I think that's true for about 95% of them. But I've always tried to do something different and for whatever reason it's worked so I've been grateful to be on a long time uh but I am getting older and acting like I was 25 I I was when I was uh 25 every day when the show got more popular is uh it's sometimes a little bit reductive but at the same time I I do enjoy the work still
1: that's awesome I think you know I hopped on in 07 when we started Petros and Money and God, you, you know, you had your style down already. Then, the other thing I just wanted to ask you about was the Textoso line. I think you know you probably get a lot of questions about this, but was it scary the first time you put your phone number out there? And for Carlo, the Textoso line is something that Petros developed, where he, he gives out his phone number once a year to the listeners of his show, okay. and then uh, and he gets daily texts, daily content. Jeez. And so I'm just wondering, like, was that scary? Or, you know, were you hesitant at all? And how many unread texts do you kind of average? Uh,
2: you know, uh, I don't know. It really depends on on what's happening, right? If something happens or if you say something wrong or something stupid, uh, <laughs> then they get, or your partner does, you get a whole bunch of texts. You get, like, hundreds <laughs> of texts. <laughs> uh, I don't mind. I enjoy the texts during the show. It's part of the show. I don't like waking up to texts. That part of it really bothers me. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah. the truth is, it was just kind of born of a, a... It was another natural kind of occurrence because I remember just people would come up to me that were listening to my very old radio show, which was on Vulcan Media back in the day. Mm-hmm. 1540 The Ticket was the name of the station in LA. It's not there anymore. It's a Korean station now. And... I had a show called the Petros Papadakis show and I would uh, see people around town. And then when Petros and money started, it would happen too. And people would say, Hey, I listened to the show and I'd want to do something for them. I'd want to give of myself in some way. I didn't really know what Mm -hmm. to do. So back then I would just give of my phone number and say, Hey, text me, you know, if you ever think of anything that you want to know anything. So I just started doing that. And then I remember being across the street from USC in Southern California, guys, uh, uh, the Trojans, and uh, not the Cox. And <laughs> yeah. I uh, I was across the street from USC at a hotel, going to a bar or something, and there was a guy fixing the door, some kind of maintenance guy, and he had a gigantic LA like the Dodger logo, but tattooed from you know his forehead down to his chin on the side of his face, and yeah. he knew the show. And he said, uh, you know, uh, I love the show. And I said, yeah. And I did the whole thing. I'll give you my phone number. And he said, text also, (laughs) eh? And uh, (laughs) that just stuck in my head, you know, that that guy said that. And then it was, it just kind of went from there. Uh, And then we sold it to a car company. So it's part of a car deal. And uh, it's just kind of been the reality of my life. But I don't. I use it for the show and it's really helpful because nothing gets by people. It's always active, but that I've become more of a private person as I've gotten older and I'm more dedicated to trying to raise my kids poorly, but it trying, uh, (laughs) that it, it becomes kind of annoying sometimes. And sometimes I push back on people in, in, in ways that I shouldn't, but for the most part, it's been, it's been really great to connect with people in that way. And it was a long time ago, a long time before anybody else thought of doing it. It was just something we did.
1: Yeah, truly revolutionary. revolutionary. It's a fun part. Was that too show. long of an
2: answer, Steve? Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: No, oh, hey. It's your show. It's, this is your hour. <laughs> anyway. <and> it's definitely <laughs> fun hearing my wife sing the jingle daily on that one. Um, so it, it's cool to see, you know, that she's a part of... It's woven show. in, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I can't, right. like, you know, so carlo yeah background you know i've made maybe 50 or so jingles at this point for for the show you know i came out swinging like my first 30 were fire and then i've kind of petered out a little bit since uh it's like a volcano uh, kind of how it goes
0: yeah (laughs) yeah exactly all right
1: uh carlo do you have anything for the old p here
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was something that Steve and I actually discussed on a previous episode that we actually think, P, that you would be a great host for the Oscars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, just, like, being as frank as you are, calling people out on their shit. But, yeah, we're, we're curious. Um, well, I, I personally am curious what your takes are on the Best Picture nominees, specifically one of them, because I think I can tie it into the movie that we're going to be discussing. Um, Yeah. But do you have any quick takes on, on the the best picture nominees? Well, I don't
2: think I've seen, I've only, I think seen one of them. uh, Oh, which one? Which I, and uh, which was the killers of the flower moon. Oh, got it. And uh, I did find that really, I mean, obviously it was well-made, you know, Martin Scorsese and all. And I, I thought it was, you know, there was a lot of funny moments and, and Robert De Niro was really good. Uh it was very interesting to me because that stuff really happened and almost exactly like that. Uh it mm. was it was really accurate when you look up the I didn't know about that, the Osage Indian Murders, and it was crazy to see. And then you look up like the real people and you see the, the woman who's nominated for uh best actress, uh what's her name? I, I forget. Ooh, Gladstone. Yeah, she, the, the woman she plays, like, if you see, like, the picture of the Leonardo right. DiCaprio guy, he's like some white, you know, redneck in Oklahoma, like some skinny <laughs> white dude. And he is standing oh, yeah. next to this woman, and she does not look like Lily Gladstone. I mean, my God, her head looks like a giant, overstuffed medicine ball. I've never seen any. <laughs> <laughs> Look up the real picture yeah. Yeah. of the yeah. of the, the the people that the story is based on, and it is a horrible uh, and tragic story in so many mm-hmm. ways, uh, but that's the only one I think I saw I've seen. I don't. Uh, I mean, I watch mostly old movies. I'm not not very up on anything that comes out these days because I find it terrible, most of
0: it terrible. But I, I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, no, you're right. But it was like three and a half hours, too. It was like, gee. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's, that's a lot of movie. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't seen um Oppenheimer.
2: No, yeah, I don't know why I didn't see it, but okay. I okay. didn't see it. I don't know.
0: No, I guess probably
2: it. because everybody else saw it and that's kind of asshole that I am. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, I often am mistaken for being a contrarian too. So, oh, it's no um, mistake. Probably, I'm. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Well, the, the movie I was curious what your take is, and it's going to be on Hulu, I think, next month. So maybe you, if you're you're inclined to watch it, is um, Poor Things, the movie with Emma Stone.
2: Yes, I heard that's really good, and I I do I... want to watch
0: that. Yeah.
1: Yorgos Lanthimos.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's why I was curious tying it into the movie that we're going to discuss because, you know, uh, I don't know if you feel any kind of solidarity or support with uh, other Greek artists, you know, like Yorgos Lanthimos. I mean, are you familiar with his films? Have you seen any of his other films? What is it? What else did he do? He did The Lobster, uh, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. The favorite was the previous movie before this one. Nope. Nope, okay. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I mean, I'm
2: sorry, Carlo. I mean no, it's all good. I I mean I'm looking at my the movies that I've recently watched <laughs> right. Black Samson, okay. Okay. Black Exploitation, The Organization with Sidney Portier, oh, nice. uh, Ru- Rudy Ray Moore is It the human tornado, <laughs> oh, Jim shit, Brown a in Black Gun, uh Coffee starring Pam Greer, January nice. Man, which I have not watched yet.
0: Oh Kevin Klein oh, okay. and uh, oh my god I fucking love um, there you go. uh Mer- Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio man she's so There gorgeous. she is yes and then the,
2: they call me Mr. Tibbs which is the <laughs> uh the second uh of the uh, in the heat of the night the organization being the third Hell up in Harlem Oh hell yeah Yeah I got that uh Lady uh the lady from Shanghai
0: Okay Orson Welles Yeah Blue City Oh what's that one Oh come on, Judd Nelson and Ali Sheedy. (laughs) Oh shit, is this from the
2: '80s? Fuck, is it from the '80s? Yeah, but it's a book by Ross McDonald, who I really like. Ross McDonald uh, uh, was a great writer. He wrote Lou Archer, the Lou Archer series, and uh, and I I read all of those books, and I would recommend them to anybody. But this is just like a huge bastardized version of, uh, of that book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but my guess my point is that I haven't... I do like Greek artists, yeah. you yeah. know. Uh, I guess I'm not Greek movie makers. I haven't, you know, other than the guy that made Tombstone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, uh, oh,
2: yeah. and then the movie we're going to talk about. You know, I haven't really gotten uh, very deeply into Greek movie makers. But any Greek, you know, we claim... You know, but I but I do like Greek music and I collect, you know, bouzouki music and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah.
1: What about Greek stand-up comedian Stavros Halkius? <laughs> uh, he's probably funny. I mean, I don't... There's a guy...
2: I forget the guy's name, like Mr. Dimitri or something that I follow. Hey, Dimitri on in, Martin? Uh, I follow on Instagram, some guy. Oh, and boom. he's like, you know, yeah. a fat Greek that just sits there and goes, you know, like, <laughs> like so many of my relatives and uh, myself. So uh that part of it I but but as far as like the real high art Greeks that, that are crossing over and getting nominated for Oscars and stuff, no I'm not I'm not up on Yorgos, which is George in uh, English. Right.
1: right. Sweet. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into the main course here. It's time for the main course. Mm. All right. So kind of the opposite of the, the main course jingle. Rockers, baby. We're talking at 1978s from your guy, Theodoros Bafalucos, I believe, is how it goes. Bafalucos,
2: yeah, dude. Bafalukos. <laughs> Bafalukos. Teddy Bafalucos <laughs> coming with the Jamaican, uh, one of the great Jamaican <laughs> movies ever, if not the greatest. Yeah. What do you guys know
1: about Bafaluk?
2: What an idiot. <laughs> like, what's this guy doing down there?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> So what's your personal, before we get into it, what's your personal history with this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Uh, I think I saw it a long time ago, uh,
2: uh, but I didn't really watch it, watch it, till maybe just a few years back and got really excited about it. And it's so funny that a Greek guy made it, a guy from <laughs> Andros, which is an island in in Greece. And he was a photographer And in 1975, he went to Jamaica and they detained him because people thought he was a a spy. And then he lived (laughs) on the island and he became friends with a guy named uh, Augustus Pablo. Yeah. And Augustus Pablo, who died of cancer tragically as a young man, was just a great Jamaican instrumental music innovator. He played... You guys are musicians, or Steve is, right? I don't know if Carlo is, but...
0: I'm not, but I'm, I love music, yeah. So. I just
2: assume all your friends, you know, play an instrument. Oh, Steve. yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're such a prolific uh, uh, library of music. But uh, he, uh, Augustus Pablo, played a melodica, I think it's called. Yes. Which is uh, like really like an instrument that they teach children uh, to play uh, music on. It's like a starter instrument in music schools. And it was really prevalent in Jamaica because there's a really famous music school where a lot of the most famous musicians in the history of that kind of music were schooled, the Alpha Boys School for Music. And they used that instrument anyway. And Augustus Pablo is just prolific at it and kind of instrumental dub style music. And he's in this movie and his music's in the movie at least. And kind of through that... Uh, he became sort of a celebrated person in the Jamaican community and came to make this movie, which is just crazy because he didn't really make anything else. You know, know, and uh, if you're a reggae fan, you know, it's just such a... I mean, if you try to imagine this movie in the reverse, right? Like if it was like like J-pop... You know, or something. It's like, it would not be cool at all. No. Nah. You know, it's like, oh, that's the person from, you know, Pink Black or whatever, you know. Yeah. You, <laughs> you You know what I mean? You wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't be exciting. You wouldn't care. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. If it was a bunch of boy band guys from, from you know, like a Britney Spears movie with the NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys in it and O-Town. Like, it would be an insult it wouldn't be worth the film it was it was made to, it it was used to create but this on the other hand is just a lot of cameos and it's thrilling <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. just like moment to moment it's thrilling because of who's in this movie if you love uh reggae music and you're interested in Jamaican culture it's it's really cool
1: yeah this movie definitely has a cool factor that i can't it's hard to describe i just remember my history with it is my sister who, who she had a, probably an eight year run from not for about 95 to Oh three of kind of being one of the coolest people in the San Fernando Valley. She just kind of knew where all the, all the local bands were playing, knew what were all the raves were. And she had this on DVD and I remember just, it, she, she would just have it in. I would walk wow. by, you know, I was still kind of in like a rock and roll phase. And uh, so I would catch it, but kind of walk on by and she just, she just loved it. She just loved this movie. And, and obviously, you know, reggae music, especially in SoCal took on a life of its own, you know, uh, with the dub and with the white guy reggae bands. And, um, there was, but there was still an appreciation for roots reggae. I remember like a local band that we used to play with the expanders. Uh Great. You know? know, Yeah. They, they, they have a Jamaican drummer and John butcher and Devin in that band, um, they love this stuff and it was it would be such a trip to be on a bill with them like in one of my early bands we would play be playing this really loud kind of party rock and then they'd play after and it just hit these three-part harmonies and just to see someone really good on drums do the reggae drums and to actually see it with your eyes it's really magical and then um and then yeah to see this movie and you know our protagonist is a drummer and when he gets behind the drums it's it's really amazing to see what it looks like to create the music. That that, that was like the first thing I've always been struck with, um, you know, cause obviously there's a number of musical performances here. But um, yeah, Carlo, uh, I understand this was a fresh wash for you, right?
0: Yeah, I'd never seen it before. I'd never even heard of it until uh, P mentioned it on our previous episode with him. Um, so yeah, it was all new to me. Um, I would say that uh, yeah, that it definitely one of the things that I admired about it just from the outset is that it's a movie that it you have to approach it on its own terms. Like it's a it, it's very insulated in that world, and initially too when I watched it I without subtitles I was like okay my ears gonna adjust I'm gonna <laughs> eventually understand it but I couldn't I had to turn on the subtitles after a while because I, I just didn't get some of the I oh, guess yeah. the slang and um, yeah I it, and I yeah i and i baby uh <laughs> yeah Seeing. um wow. but yeah all of those <laughs> things I, I i had to adjust to um and yeah like i that like petros was mentioning about just how like star-studded the cast is like mm. everybody who shows up and it's like if you're a reggae fan it's like oh that's you know uh jacob miller or that's um yeah Bobby augustus pablo yeah, yeah robbie shakespeare oh my god yeah um yes yeah, lion robbie man Incredible instrumental. Yeah, and, and duo. speaking of um, counter
1: programming, you know, so we're recording this slightly to you know to kind of counter program the Bob Marley doc that or the oh. movie that,
0: that's out yeah. now. Uh, it's not a doc; it's a fictional movie about him. But yeah, I I, I want to hear what Petros uh, thinks of it. I mean, uh, just not even having seen it, you sure. haven't probably have an opinion on it, right? Well, I mean, not really, because I didn't.
2: see <laughs> it. My son saw it, uh, and and he said, you know, I mean, my kid saw it, and it was cool that my kid sat through it with his friend and was exposed to the music and at least, you know, some semblance of the story. But mm. I mean, it's hard to make a movie about somebody. Bob Marley was really complex. I mean, I, I tell people this all the time and it's probably annoying and sounds like I'm a know it all, but if if you really want to read about like Jamaican life and history and the moments that are surrounding the the shooting of Bob Marley and what was going on as far as political violence and all that at the time and who was involved. There's a great book called a brief history of seven killings. It's a Jamaican oh, yeah. a- author. It's, it is not brief and a lot more than seven people die is the, uh, is, <laughs> yeah. is, is, is really uh, the best thing to say about it. But that's the most riveting, riveting thing that I've ever read and the most eye-opening thing and, and being interested in Jamaican culture, my entire life almost. And, uh, it w- it was the best, most explanatory piece of art that I've ever consumed regarding the Island of Jamaica and, and very much, uh, makes sense a lot. It puts a lot of the puzzle pieces together. If you grew up listening to this kind of music, and then you really kind of start to understand exactly what people are talking about, who and why and how uh, all these things happened in the seventies and eighties, so and even the nineties. Uh, so it's uh, that's the most interesting thing I've ever read about Jamaica or uh, been exposed to about Jamaica. So if the Bob Marley story interests people, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the most global and most explanatory and revealing thing I've ever consumed about it. And it's technically a work of fiction, but it's really more like historic fiction with a lot of uh, kind of, I mean, just a a lot of reality in there. And Mm -hmm. just some of the names are changed.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. And then it's also like, um, yeah, it it often pops up as one of those books that's like massive books that you need to read, you know? It's like (laughs) super thick books because – it's a rare thing now. nobody publishes like close to a thousand page novel anymore. Like that's like a lost art in itself, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, just,
2: I loved, I absolutely loved it. It was really yeah. great.
1: Okay. Well, awesome. Teddy Bafalucos decided to not include Bob in this movie intentionally. It seems, it seemed intentional. And so we got some other protagonists. Um, so yeah, let's get in the movie. I have a couple clips and we'll just kind of go from there. So, Obviously, the intro is really unique, uh, so I wanted to—I cut up uh, some portions of the intro just to play it for you real quick. So I love this transition from the one beat to to the song.
2: present by free, of the other of our eyes. Love that free everyone everywhere. So it's just known that the cooperation of all done, coloured people,
1: invites the decision of our eyes that shall free everyone, liberate fully everywhere. Knowing that this world war exploding,
2: and the ways of the world solve the problem, and the eyes of our in full. So it's a silent
1: so yeah definitely needed the subs on there uh the things i got were just that um god it's so cool to start a movie with kind of a blessing (laughs) sort of you know just welcoming you welcoming you the audience member in you know most movies now start with like some kind of maiming or something scary or tense and this one's just kind of like hey welcome is gonna be a pretty cool love is love yeah.
2: I mean, they started out the movie as a documentary, so uh, oh. it would make sense that, you know, you would see a Rasta prayer circle and and then like the people mixed in there. I think I think that's the Abyssinians. I'm not I'm not exactly sure exactly who the, uh, which group that was, but uh, it's it's just a really cool moment. And then Horsemouth is in there, too. Mm-hmm. And and then you have that Rasta with the crazy big dreadlock come out with his staff and uh, and, and start preaching.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Which is, you know, and it really has nothing to do with the movie. At all. No, yeah, right. But but it just it's it's one of the it's the coolest intro to a movie I've ever seen. I mean, in my for me, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, that's it was just awesome. Uh, and I it for people that love reggae, I mean, it really sucks you in right away and makes you wonder what, what's going to happen <laughs> because it's just such an odd way to begin.
1: Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. It's fun. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, you know, the language. So there's three of us here. Would we say I and I and I? Like, what's the problem? Like, how would horse mouth have say that if there's a group?
2: I don't know. I mean, yeah. there's so many different <laughs> ways. I mean, I and I is more. I mean, it's that, that's why they, I mean, they would say, Youth and youth, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, that's kind of the thing. It's like there's no real exact way to speak patois because it is slang, and there's so many different ways. And in Jamaica, there's kind of a hierarchy of, of ways of speaking, you know. And if you speak really, really hard patois, you're you're probably a pretty tough person, and mm. it's just. It's just uh, it's pretty unique to whoever it is. Mostly the I and I guys are, are usually Rasta types, and you do get the idea that Jamaica is not a bunch of Rastafarians. I mean, that's a very small amount of the population of Jamaica is Rastas. They're like country hippie people who live kind of in a communal way and are very much involved with the Old Testament and all that. And it, most most Jamaicans are are Christians or or but they're not they're not Rastas. You know, it's, a, it's just Bob Marley was a Rasta, and Rasta is a big part of uh, modern reggae music. So people kind of think that everybody out there is a Rasta, uh, but yeah. horse horse mouth is, I think, uh, and uh, so that's why you get that kind of speech. You know,
1: yeah uh and then yeah you know that obviously the movie starts and you know we're basically just hanging out with horsemouth it's a total it's, it's a hangout movie we're with him exploring his home you know we see his wife his actual i think family yeah and um you know he's collecting money he wants to buy a bike and that's kind of the main first kind of plot device but really it's just about you know we're gonna get a window into this world through him and his friends and we're gonna see where the music gets made, where the music gets sold. But then, yeah, you, you do also get eventually to to a hotel or what looks like a resort where you see a little more of the tourist side of things. Um, and, and, then, <laughs> and then, yeah, ultimately where the movie ends is, is in, you know, a whole other world there. But uh, all right, let's get to the, f- so the first real music performance that I was really impressed with when I was a kid. Is the one in the studio. I uh, The artist, I think, is Cutis? I? Something like that. Just uh, playing graduation.
2: So seek ye good and not evil. Whoa. I beg you, my brethren. And cheer up, cheer up, cheer
1: up. Cheer up, cheer up. Yeah. So, Carlo does this music do anything for you do, like, do oh, you like absolutely. the reggae? Right absolutely.
0: I, I was totally vibing with it i'm I, I would say i dabble in reggae i'm not really like as uh sure. as deep rooted in it as other people you know i have a bunch of bob marley records but i mean this whole sequence was like my favorite part of the movie because it's like you see him and then he's in that recording studio and then um he kind of asks the proprietor like hey you know like the records that you're pressing i want to like hustle and and sell them and then he starts touring the different record stores and I'm like oh that's after my own heart and even just seeing the records being pressed you know when they spread the wax and then you know they have the stamper on it it's just like that to me like I, I eat that shit up and then you know it's just the various record stores that he goes to like some of them are hole in the wall type stores Um, uh, the, the, you know, I guess this is the, the part where we see Bob Marley kind of, I guess his, his spirit looming over the movie is he goes into one that I've been to a store that's kind of like that too, where it's just really tiny. It's just a counter. There's a wall and then maybe a few records, like just Mm -hmm. in like the stacks next to the wall. And, uh, he goes there and there's a bunch of Bob Marley records. You know, I saw like catch a fire, uh, Rastaman Safari. Is that the one? Vibration. Yeah, vibration. That's vibration. Yeah, and then um, there's actually a record that I'm uh, it's one of my grails that I'm after. That I saw on the wall too, which was a "Nonchal Escape" by Johnny Clark. Mm. That's also on the wall there. So I was like, shit, I want that record so badly. And you know, it's like uh, the amazing thing is that they created this industry there in such a small country, and they press their own records. And actually, um, I think. Uh, there's been an announcement that they're, they're gonna be repressing a lot of the Bob Marley records and they they were actually pressed at tough gong in, in, um, in Jamaica and like they're releasing the original um, Jamaican like uh, recordings because you know how when they were released in you know the Western world, the producers kind of made it more like easy to listen to. Uh, <laughs> that's the best phrase I can think of. but like yeah they're, they're releasing catch Catch a fire the original uh jamaican version so i'm looking forward to that um but yeah i loved it fucking all the music in it it is just fucking flawless like it's just all of it uh, i was digging and i mean i shared that photo with you steve and i I don't know if you sent it to p that you know my augustus pablo record of um original rockers say you know with that connection to the title and i yeah i I definitely was playing that after i I saw the movie So, so yeah
2: Well, that's definitely my favorite scene, you know, I I love it when he's going to the record stores and they're playing a song by the Maytones, which is, Mm. you know, these are not well-known bands, you know, these are not uh, songs that that people remember, you know, uh, that, that are mainstream 30 years later, but that's a great song. Mm-hmm. And he's going from place to place and having a conversation. And, the, you know, the lady's
1: like, what happened, R.C.?" You know, and they just <laughs> Well, actually, Pete, I got, I got that clip right here for you. Here we go. Let's go.
2: Hi, to am Judy
1: now. We some
0: yeah,
2: yeah. So
1: I think she made a trade for the music for a, a basket of fruit in that scene. Yeah,
2: and that's it. Yeah, and she needed to. Well, the dreadlock guy was there selling his fruit. Yeah, mm. and 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 she said, "I need to deal with this dread before I deal with you." And, <laughs> right. And right. And then and then uh, they heard the song. He tried to give a record to the dread. He said, "All this, all this for me, you know, like take the record." And he said, "I have nowhere to play it." And then the <laughs> right. dreadlock heard the record, and he was like, "You know what? I will take that record. I'll play it on my friend's record player." <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. it's just a wonderful scene. It's just a wonderful communal scene. And like you said, one of those... I mean, those are real record stores. You you can't make any of this up.
0: Right. And,
2: you know, watching the guy ride his motorcycle around Halfway Tree and go all those places around Kingston where, you know, white people are really scared to go, <laughs> you know, mm. back then and yeah. now. Uh, or you have to be like Bafalucos, you know, really tied in through Augustus <laughs> Pablo to, to, be, to be involved. And, uh, I mean, it's really just like a look into a secret, very cool, but also, you know, complex and downtrodden society. And it's been mm-hmm. like that for a long time. And why it fascinates people so much, I think, goes down to what Steve said. I Just watching that guy play the drums, there's something different about a Jamaican drum and bass. Mm-hmm. And the music, there's just something different about it that has made it globally relevant. And it's so interesting that the music is prevalent in almost everybody's lives, but they really have a hard time capitalizing on it. They, they don't know how to monetize it and Mm. it just still, it just, but it still, but, but then in turn, it still creates, you know, great artists and great music because everybody there seems to be somehow musically involved and just their way of speaking is so melodic and you just hear it throughout the movie. But to me, that is also just the most charming scene is the riding around in the motorcycle and going to the different record stores. And a lot of it has to do with how great that song is, Money Worries by the maytones
0: mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And w- while we're at it, too, I want to mention that that one record store, which was one of the bigger ones that he goes to, where people are dancing and then there's also people fighting <laughs> on the floor <laughs> of the record store. like, And there's all this chaos going around and he's just still going about oh, his business. Oh, he's chilling, yeah yeah it's just like it's a normal thing i mean like you you can't experience that anywhere else like you don't go to amoeba and see that shit you know no. it's like well maybe yeah. now i mean yeah. and
1: again like that's just what makes this movie cool is you know because you're riding with someone who's beloved in this world you you know like it's just a peek in it feels fun it feels safe you're not worried about anybody it's low stress um yeah so it's, it's just a really neat watch even you know once you get to the resort, and you know he's kind of being, I guess, muscled <laughs> a little bit by by the boss there. But even at that point, you know he you know he he talks to the camera, and that's my next clip, and just kind of lets everyone know why he didn't want to get in a fight, which is kind of a trip.
2: You see, even though my little I'm gonna mash up the ballad brother there. Janu, I, I Don't deal do violence. peace man. I don't steal, cheat, that's it. I myself, slash the I continually, no matter what the we weak say. And I know that I know is like a tree that planted by the river of water. And not even the dog that piss against the wall of Babylon shall escape this judgment. For I know, I know that all of youth shall witness the day that Babylon shall
1: fall. Yes, brilliant. Pretty great, yeah. So it's like, hey, t- take it easy. This movie's not going to go where you want it to go, but actually, it does go. It does, you know. They, <laughs> he said, they he do end up steal. plotting a heist. You got some good mm-hmm. mission prep. They kind of assemble kind of an Avengers kind of squad where you see all everyone kind of walking towards the camera to happy roots reggae music.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, shout out to uh, DJ Dirty Harry, by the way. Oh my god, <laughs> he's he's incredible in this
1: that's that's one of the best little um, sequences there is uh when they go to the dance club they kind of stop it and they put on the uh, the roots reggae and take over yeah
0: right and that's really where you get to see the the contrast between the rastas and the rest of the Jamaicans like they're more into like soul they're more like squarish looking you know they got the disco kind of hairstyles and then it's like yeah no let's put on some rocker shit man. Yeah, let's take over the DJ booth. Yeah. And um, actually, I wanted to ask P, too, like, what is that type of dancing that they're doing with their arms? Like, it's a very kind of unique style of dancing that they're doing. Do you know what it's called? Uh,
2: Well, there's probably whatever the popular dance was in Jamaica (laughs) that, you know, that stuff changes rapidly in, in Jamaica you know, the top 10 songs, like it's funny, you look at most countries and like, you can see like the top 25 songs, you know, Apple or somebody has it all listed these days. Mm. And in Jamaica, it's always just completely dr- <laughs> You know, It's just artists, you know, that are, uh, that are just, they're way ahead of their own culture, so to speak. So uh, probably just whatever dance, you know, I mean, it, it was, no. that was probably just a real club that they ran into in the moment and started right. shooting and, you know, created this entire scene and and uh, and that big old swol. Uh, I think that's Peter Tosh's saxophone player, that guy. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, and you know, obviously one of the stars of the movie. So, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's hilarious, and it's really kind of they were talking about the difference between pop music in Jamaica right. and what was popular for people at, at dance halls and clubs and roots or more conscious music that Horsemouth would obviously be a very big part of because he was Burning Spears' drummer, who's somebody he goes and has counsel with, you know, as the movie goes on. So, yeah, it was a great moment, though, and it's funny to listen to him scream and do the the uh, selector right. kind of stuff, you know, move y'all, you know, all this stuff into the microphone <laughs> when, uh, you know, that is really prevalent in, like, British ska and stuff like that, but it all comes from Jamaica.
1: Mm-hmm, all right yeah and then you know the other key parts of obviously this movie you got Gregory Isaacs and you got Jacob Miller I pulled the audio from the Gregory Isaacs performance. this is probably my favorite song in the movie here we go master obviously god what, what makes the music amazing is you know you know all these songs are you know they're major they're two three maybe four chords major scale happy but it's the depth obviously of the lyrics it's the fact that it resonates and these guys are amazing singers that really puts the emotion into songs that you know if you put that same song in blink-182's hand and you know and they're singing about s- suburban socal it just doesn't res- <laughs> just it doesn't have the emotional depth that these guys are singing uh i think we later see what gregory Isaac's uh picking a lock is that right Pete?
2: yeah he's the safe uh the safe cracker <laughs> when they pull the the caper later the robin hood like caper that's what the movie's kind of it's kind of what at first it becomes a, you took my bike and I want to get my bike back. And then it becomes a Robin hood type of caper. But yeah, he becomes the safe cracker. And you know, uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen horse mouth perform. I know. If, I mean, I've seen Gregory Isaacs five or six times. Jacob Miller died in the early eighties. So I never got to see him perform. Uh, I've never seen big youth live, uh, who's also in this movie. Uh, but I've seen Gregory a bunch of times and there was a few times there that it was just so special, just nights that you'll never forget and the way the music is played and his voice when he had it and he was uh, really giving it to the audience. That kind of stuff is hard to forget. So seeing him in this movie performing and then acting is a, is a real thrill. You know, He's in it throughout. He's in the beginning, the middle, and the end.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just get to the end. Let's get to the heist sort of the happiest, less stressful heist you'll see, (laughs) Uh, you know, obviously everything is set to the roots reggae vibe. I love the whole squad, the robbery there. The real only logistics issue is can they get the trucks to start up and they, they get them, they get them working. They, they clean out that warehouse pretty easily and then they just drop <laughs> drop everything off at people's homes like on their you know front areas on the you know on the, the alleyways what what have you and everyone who comes out is so stoked to get a rocking chair or a TV or what you know whatever it is it, yeah. It, I guess yeah anything on the ending or you know how it wraps up petros
2: well i mean i think they didn't know what to do <laughs> 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 you know i mean <laughs> it starts with a prayer circle and then you think, you know, horse mouth is going to make all this money to provide for his wife and kids and he ends up just get hitting on some chick at the hotel <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. you know i mean there's a bunch of i mean you know and he goes and sees burning spear and you think burning spear is going to tell him something profound and all he does is sing a song that you know horse mouth has undoubtedly heard 50 times you know uh, that week because he's his drummer uh so it's kind of funny uh so uh i think they had to find a way to sh- to show that the musicians is heroes and heroes to who? The people, you know, the people and then that's a great way to end it, too, because this movie is so much about uh, the, the people, the people are everywhere in this movie, the people in these neighborhoods, the people uh, of Kingston, and uh, they're basically the heartbeat of the movie. So, to sit there and, and give everybody a toaster at the end of the movie, like it's an Oprah, <laughs> yeah uh, is I guess it's pretty funny. It's appropriate, you know it's, it's a great way to end it because, like you said, it's happy and it, and it feels good, and it's a good way to wrap it up. I was also disturbed that Jacob Miller was so upset about his food that he was threatening horse mouth with yeah. a giant cutlass. Or whatever that was that's that what was he was bad. trying
1: it seemed like the first two items he was stealing in the warehouse was all food related which was yeah they you know, really like leaned into
2: the fact that jacob miller is a fat guy
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah always with the fat jokes so yeah we're out you know i think that's basically it for for rockers i guess, I guess uh don't you guys have a special <laughs> game that you play
0: uh yes we do um but before we do i just have one like straggler kind of trivia note that i noticed too, in. in the cast when I was looking at the cast in the end credits, I was like, oh, shit, that name looks familiar to me. And I saw Robert Colesbury. And I was like, is that the same Robert Colesbury? And it turns out it is. So it, Gregory Isaacs is the guy who's opening the the car, right, when they're, the tourists are locked out. Yes. yes. Yeah. So the tourist, the the male tourist, is actually Robert Colesbury. And if you guys aren't familiar with that name, he's like a fucking legendary uh, producer. He produced... Uh, you know, Martin Scorsese's After Hours. Uh, I mean, he, but yeah, his, like, the mark that he made was he he was the producer of The Wire, and he's largely, like, oh, wow. like a big part of um, uh, kind of creating that aesthetic that The Wire had, where it was, like, uh, you know, all the sound was just coming from from sources. Like, it, there was never a score in The Wire uh, until, like, the very end, like, the final episode where they have that sequence. But he he decided how The Wire was going to look and sound. Like, he was a big part of that. And, you know, he, he tragically he passed away in the middle of um, the second season. So they uh, they actually make that part of the mo- of the show because uh, he plays a cop on the wire. He, he's Ray Cole. Uh, but, yeah, Robert Colesbury, man. <laughs> Early role for him. I don't know what his connection is to yeah. uh, Teddy Bafalukas. <laughs> That's kind of l- yeah. like a
1: prick, like a tourist yeah, prick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Love it.
0: Yeah. Like-
2: I-, I thought you were going to say that Jack Ruby's in this movie. But Jack Ruby's, uh, was actually a Jamaican, uh, record producer. He's the guy that gives uh, horse mouth all the records, but that's not the Jack Ruby from, uh, (laughs) uh...
0: okay. okay. Thank God. (laughs) Um, All right. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's get to our wine pairings. Um, so you know, movies that would pair well with rockers Petros, do you have a, a wine pairing for, for rockers?
2: I mean, I would drink sangria, I guess. I don't, you know, <laughs> I drank so much red wine as a waiter at my father's restaurant that it gives me oh, yeah. terrible indigestion now. Uh, okay. And it always gives me mm-hmm. a headache. So I, I, I just, I, but I do like sangria, you know, because there's so many like places around here. I live by the beach in California and there's all kinds of like oh, yeah. wives drinking wine during the day. So they always have sangria available. I don't like <laughs> yeah. a white sangria but I like a red sangria with the mm. fruit bobbing around in it, that's that's what I would pair it with. A celebratory, <laughs> fruity sangria. Yeah. How's that?
1: Nice. So not a movie, but but, but with an actual, <laughs> an actual drink. drink. Oh, oh I, I you want it. me
2: to pair a movie with rockers? Yeah. yeah. Like what kind of movie?
1: Like another reggae movie? Whatever you want. So here, I'll throw it to Carlo. While, okay, I'll think about think it. One. Yeah. I All can right. do uh, this.
0: Okay, my one is Babylon which came out a couple years after this movie. Have you seen this, P? No. Oh, okay, it's a British movie, also about Jamaicans in um, in the UK, uh, which is another fascinating, oh. like, subculture in itself. And, yeah, a lot of the dialogue is also in Patois, but it's interesting how they do code switching. So when they're talking to, like, more general UK, like, oh, sure. uh, public people, they switch to more of, like, just a formal way of speaking. But then, you know, when they're amongst each other, they speak in Patois, which is fascinating to watch and then you know you also get i guess another perspective or maybe like yeah this is close to Bafalucos's uh um own uh there's a character named uh, ronnie and his experience of like being a white dude like being immersed in jamaican culture in the uk and it oh, also also another funny tie-in is that it starts with a warehouse heist like they're stealing a bunch of shit from, from a warehouse with a truck Jeez. And then also, you know, um, just another kind of odd thing that I noticed is that, you know, uh, I guess because Jamaica was a British colony, all the, the cars are uh, the driving uh, is, is right hand drive. So, um, uh, yeah, that's the tie in with the UK, cool. too, with, you know, they, they still have right hand drive vehicles there. <laughs> um right. but yeah so babylon. babylon and it's, it's beautifully yeah. shot by uh, chris uh Menges, i think is how you pronounce his last name but yeah it's it's an incredible film all right i'm
1: gonna go oppo Bapo, i'm gonna go ferris bueller's day off wow <laughs> it's you know so you got a white guy kind of taking you through a tour of chicago sort of a different thing you know during the daytime he's also talking to camera kind of like he got in this movie you got people talking to camera and you All know, right. you have a little bit of, of music. You know, you got some twist and shout and whatnot. But uh, obviously, it doesn't have the depth of rockers. But yeah, let's go, Ferris Bueller. Nice. All right, P. I got uh, it. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, the Bionic Rasta Man movie, 1982's <laughs> action adventure, Countryman, yes. featuring Edwin Lothan as the Countryman. Uh, he's dead uh, now, died in 2016. But it's like two white people uh, that get in an accident and then they're saved by a crazy uh, bionic Jamaican Rasta. And he lives with the earth and can fish and swim and free dive. And there's a moment in the movie where he beats up like 20 guys while uh, while Toots and the Maytals plays. Oh, sweet. And it's it's just, it's unreal. and uh, Sold. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah you, I to see it. It's, uh, <laughs> I think Chris Blackwell wrote it or produced right. it. So you have, uh, Toots and Lee Perry on the soundtrack, Bob Marley's on the soundtrack, Steel Pulse, Dennis Brown, uh, right. Oswald even, and Rico Rodriguez, the trombone, the Jamaican trombone legend. So we, yeah, just to watch, and it's cheesy as hell, but just to watch uh, the countryman just bionically All jump right. around in a loincloth and <laughs> and stomp right down wall. Babylon's walls is pretty fabulous.
1: All right, maybe we'll cover that with you next season, P. So do you got like five more minutes for this wrap-up game? Or Fucking
2: is- A, yes, I do.
1: You do have time. Okay, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. let's, let's bang All it in. Right. It. Let's do Here we it, go. The game, the
2: game, don't blow it the <laughs>
1: All right, Petros, we end our eps mostly with a little, hopefully, fun trivia game. We've prepared three movies for you, okay? You're going to get seven clues for each movie. If you you get the movie right on the first clue, you get seven points. On the next clue, six points, so on down. Perfect score is 21. We say if you got a 12, you did well. God. All right? And there's a theme. So as you go, there's a theme to the three films. Uh, once we get going, it'll make a little more sense. But you also get to pick the background music, which is the best part. Would you like Predator? Would you like uh, heroic music? Cr- James Spader's Crash? Um, or some reggae? Give me Predator.
0: Heck yeah. <laughs> Let's go.
1: All right. Petros, your first film for seven points is a 2019 drama thriller. Do you have a guess? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. For six points, the star of this... I'd have a better chance if it was
2: 1919.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> the star... Okay, I think this one will help you. The star of this movie is Song Kang Ho. Oh, Parasite. Correct. Nice. For six points. Locked in. Wow, You all right. You, you already got a six under your belt. Parasite is in. All right, your second film... 1981 comedy for seven points you have a guess the jerk okay for six points in this movie is kim Cattrall. 81 81 comedy kim Cottrell. Is, is it mannequin it. for five points the the tagline is, that would have been my guess. <laughs> the tagline is you'll be glad you came.
0: <laughs> what the fuck
2: is this? Oh, the sweetest little whorehouse in Texas.
1: Uh, Whatever. It's okay, going. for for four points, the the second tagline, the raunchiest movie about growing up ever made. I don't know. Alright, for three points, it has a very famous shower scene. Oh, Porky's. St- yes. Porky's, correct. <laughs> for three points, you got Porky's. All right, so you're sitting at a nine. Oh, how could I per- screw up Porky's? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you got Paris. I forgot got about Porky's. Kim Cattrall and Porky's. Yeah, there you go. All right, your last film, P. Let's bring this one, one home. And also remember, there's a theme between the three titles. So that might help you here. This movie, for seven points, 1993, action drama romance okay okay you want to take a shot in the dark or just move on (laughs) move on (laughs) okay here we go for six points in this movie not in a starring role is joey lauren adams Oh, I know this! 93 action drama romance. Romantico. Yeah.
2: It's not one of those Kevin Smith movies. What else did she do?
1: Oh, she's in Big Daddy, but that ain't it.
0: That was later. All right.
1: Let's move on here for five points. The tagline. Pressure surrounds them. Competition divides them. Talent unites them. A story of what it takes to survive. What? I, I got nothing there. Pressure surrounds, competition divides, talent unites. Joey, Lauren, and Adams is somewhere in this movie, not in a starring movie. Yeah, I know. I don't, what's next? Okay, here we go for four (laughs) points.
2: Also in this movie is Halle Berry. You know, I don't What? You know, I don't do these things on air. You know, I don't play (laughs) games. I know. (laughs) Halle Berry. This could
1: be a huge swing and miss. We'll see.
2: (laughs) Halle Berry was in the last Boy Scout, which we should review here. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'd be done.
1: No. Okay. For, uh, let's see, I think it's for four, for three points. Predator Omar has Epps. killed me
2: a year ago.
1: Omar Epps is in this.
2: Is it Major League Two?
1: <laughs> <laughs> for two points, James Kahn is in this.
2: Oh. Oh, it's the program.
1: The program, correct. College that, football. Yeah. Classic. So, yeah, you came in at an 11. Way to go, P.
2: Hey, fuck you guys and your stupid fucking Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I should have detached.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) thanks for staying on and, uh, yeah, spending some time with us. Well, we'll do uh... another
2: one soon. I always enjoy it.
1: All right, awesome, P. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, P. All right, if you want to follow Petros, he's on X at the old P. Of course, follow Carlo at Carlo Kino with 2Ks. He's got a letterbox too, where he's doing all kinds of reviews and watching all types of movies. We're also on Patreon. Help us keep the lights on. Just search for movie food and you can sign up and you can even get a jingle. And also follow my YouTube channel, Pit Hits, where I'm breaking down mosh pits. And check out the Positron EP. It's still out there on all platforms. All right, bye bye-bye, bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye.